count of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it. Just name it. Ready? One, two, three. Velociraptor. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. It's time for another episode of the Wooth and Why Show. Playoffs? Playoffs? I just want to win a game. RJ Achoa, welcome back to the Woot and Wash Show. Guest hosting for me this week. You can follow him on Twitter at RJ Achoa. He's a host of Ocho Live, ESPN San Antonio Insider, writer for Blogging the Boys. And both our teams are not in the playoffs, unfortunately. But here we are at the end of the regular season, heading into Wild Card Weekend. How are you going? I'm doing well. Uh, both of our teams not in the playoffs. Uh, the next playoffs. time that uh, that uh, the next time we're eligible for the Super Bowl, we play each other. So kind of excited about this. It's first time in our friendship that we'll kind of go head to head. And uh, yep. you know, I'll apologize in advance for the sadness you'll experience. Okay. Uh, very uh, very optimistic from you. Don't you know that Andrew Luck has a hundred and seven <laughs> degree fever to play football? So you just watch out, mate. Um, he is he is hot already. So uh, we're we're in. Uh, January, so you know, January hot for the next season. That's he's going to be at like one thirty, one forty fever, um, come September, October. So you just watch out, buddy. I'll be impressed if uh, if he's one hundred thirty degrees. I mean, um, <laughs> I, I, he'll he'll impress more than the NFL. He'll, he'll impress science. Yeah, and physics and just anything that's possible. But he, you know, twenty eighteen. Who knows what can happen? Um, before we uh, cap off. Uh, the end of the regular season, regular season by talking about our favorite thing from week 17. Just want to mention, um, the iTunes reviews. Thanks to everyone that give, for giving us an iTunes review this season. Uh, we'll draw the winner of that draw, um, probably in the lead up to the Super Bowl. Um, and we'll put all those entries, um, into a draw and pick one out. And that person, um, if you can reach out to us, um, uh, via email, com or just, uh, DM us on Twitter. Um, we can work out what sign, jersey, uh, we'll be heading your way. Uh, the Lunar Bowl, uh, our Super Bowl event held at Lunar Park in Sydney, the best venue in Sydney to watch the Super Bowl. Um, buy your tickets now. Ring up, book a table, tables of 10. So any fantasy leagues, if you're in a 10-team fantasy league or just got a group of mates that have the day off and, and want to watch the Super Bowl, uh, give Billy a ring at Lunar Park, book a table, $150, but you're getting four, nearly five hours worth of booze and food, entry to Lunar Park, all that sort of stuff. So really recommend that. Uh, Wooten White Fantasy Leagues, congrats to everyone that won um, a Wooten White Fantasy League. We managed to win one league, RJ, so not bad. Not bad from us. And it's uh, solid. Yeah, one out of four. It's not too bad. We made the playoffs in all four. Um, and we will hand out the prize money for that, but we're still waiting for four suckers to pay their league fees. So um, I'll give you guys another week before we just start publicly shaming and, and getting the uh, the Wooten White Army to just flood your mentions um, to make you pay. Um, and congrats to Bryce Parker as well. He won our 2017 NFL tipping comp. Had 177 points, which put him in the 99th percentile on ESPN, um, on all ESPN entries. So it would have taken a, a historic effort to, to beat him. So if you could DM us as well, um, you'll have a jersey of your choice heading that way. I think you're a Broncos fan. So hopefully that could be an Adam Gotts jersey heading your way. All right. So the housekeeping, I've swept that out of the way. Week 17, what was your favorite thing, RJ? 
There is no doubt in my mind that my favorite thing is the Buffalo Bills and them ending their long-standing playoff drought. Everything, all the ripple effects from the Buffalo Bills, all the celebrations, uh, Andy Dalton being the hero. Uh, I mean, it really is the perfect hero for this story. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are my favorite thing. Yeah, um, I started writing these suggestions down, and they just the first like six of them were all Buffalo Bills related. I, my favorite thing, yeah, is Andy Dalton. Like his defining legacy now as a player is sending another franchise to the play- playoffs. He is a he's a Buffalo legend and a hero, but he plays for Cincinnati. It's just the, it's the most it's, Andy Dalton thing ever. It it really is, and and it makes sense in a beautiful way. It's like you know how they do the, like the parade for Mister Irrelevant every year. There should be a parade for Andy Dalton yes. in the city of Buffalo. Uh, we tweeted that he'll never pay for a meal in Buffalo. Ever again, I'm not sure how many fancy restaurants there are in Buffalo, but if he wants to test that out and, and maybe try the local Buffalo cuisine, Andy, just uh, head up there right now. I think you could pretty much get everything you want and more for free without paying a cent um, in Buffalo. And I also really like Buffalo Buffalo fans donating money. It's now up to over $100,000 donated to his uh, foundation as well. It really is an incredible story, all things considered. I think um, in the spirit of celebrating Mr. Dalton, all of the Bills should, on the bottom of their cleats against the Jaguars, write Andy, like uh, oh, Woody and Buzz yes. in Toy Story. Yes, that's that's amazing. I, that, I didn't even... How did, how did you think of that? That's incredible. Um, <laughs> yeah, that... That and the locker room video, Kyle Williams celebrating with his kids, and he he scored a touchdown in in their game against Miami. Um, look, part of me was a bit upset. My Chargers aren't in the in the playoffs because they they are them and the Ravens are the highest rated sort of DVOA teams to miss out on the playoffs, and and Buffalo and Tennessee are the the worst DVOA teams to make the playoffs. But seeing all of this, seeing the reaction from Bills fans, um. The Bills' Twitter account has been tweeting out all sorts of videos during the week. Like every time you watch them, you just get goosebumps. It's uh, it's an incredible thing. I think we've all sort of experienced a victory like that, and they're really the only team that got in because of something else happening. Uh, I know there were a lot of situations and permutations, and I mean, literally of the entire NFL, if that could happen to one franchise, I would have wanted it to have been the Bills. Yeah. Yeah. Like no, no ill will to to Buffalo fans. Um, they're they're definitely diehard. Uh, a lot of them are stupid, jumping through flaming tables and whatnot. But um, it always provides some form of entertainment, one way or another. My other favorite thing was, um, you know, during the game, the the Chargers uh, were not putting any other score or updates because they were one of the teams that could have been in, couldn't have been in. So all the permutations were chopping and changing. There was a graph tweeted out about the playoff percentage chances, and it 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 was just all over the place with all the different colors of teams that were in and then were out. Um, but Rivers was sign- signaling his family um, from the field with a sort of a gladiator-style thumbs-up, thumbs-down, um, and to see all 17,000 of his kids uh, move their thumbs up and down uh, to Philip Rivers while he's on the field, that made me laugh. I mean, it is uh, it is kind of cool. Um, I think you're you're being quite uh, quite low, seventeen thousand. I mean, yeah. that's like you know, that's yeah. Philip Rivers well, before they moved to LA. They finally filled the stadium in. StubHub by just inviting his family. <laughs> oh, I should have done that all along. That's the way to do it, yeah. <laughs> that's the way to do it. All right, um, let's move on. Talking tidbits. We'll uh, get to three-point stance in a minute. This show is in an entire three-point stance episode because it's going to be split into three. We're going to talk Black Monday. 
We're going to talk Wild Card Weekend, and then we're going to summarize the uh, regular season with some of our favorite and least favorite things. But we'll start with a couple of tidbits here, and this is kind of a side note to Black Monday because it's not a coach being fired or a player being fired. It is uh, retirement. So Carson Palmer announced this morning that he's retiring from the NFL after 15 seasons. He turned 38 last week. He said, over the years, I've had teammates who decided to hang it up, and I would ask them how they knew it when it was a time to walk away. He said in a statement, the answer was almost always the same. You just know. And for that time, and for me, that time is now. And he said, why? Quite simply, I just know. So kind of a really strange career, really intriguing career, kind of split into sort of three little story arcs, seemed to get things together in Cincy and then got injured and then had a really tortuous time in Oakland, but then kind of found his groove again back in, in Arizona. You know, Carson... I mean, Halla very good. I guess is mm. is maybe maybe too kind. I would say Hall of of kind of good. Hall of pretty good. I don't think he's Hall of very good. And I know I'm a little biased here, but I don't think he had quite the career Tony Romo had. No, I don't think he had. I, I, I think Tony Romo is a Hall of Famer, so you don't need to convince me. Right, and, and I would go. I would say I don't think he had the career Donovan McNabb had. Um, I mean, Carson Palmer's. I think heyday was in Cincinnati, and I think you think back to that 2005 team and, and sort of the lost opportunity. But, I mean, those Bengals, the Carson, Chad Ochocinco, that was, you know, Chad Johnson, yeah. uh, TJ Hushmanzada, Anthony Henry, the, the late Anthony Henry. I mean, those were uh, – that that was a great team. And, and I remember, and I, I, I'm sure you're well aware of this, that Carson and Chad would drive over to Indianapolis to watch Peyton – and Marvin Harrison, and they would sit in the stands just to learn from them. Yeah, I mean, um, but I, I think it's, I, I think that Carson really had a nice redemption story in uh, in Arizona because I mean there was that that bitterness that he didn't want to play for the Bengals, and I mean this dude was fine retiring. That's how much he hated the Bengals. He, he would have rather retired and never played again than play for them. I think that's a really interesting thing, especially considering we just uh, made Andy Dalton not to be a hero when he was his heir. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he kind of forced his way out of Oakland as well. So it's kind of a, a bizarre d- doing that twice. But, um, you know, his career in, in Arizona was pretty good. He was second-team All-Pro in 2015. He had, a, he had a great season in 2015. Some thought he should have won MVP that year, I just don't think anyone would have stopped Cam Newton from winning it that mm-hmm. year. But yeah, I think I think you're right. Just below Hall of Very Hall of Very Good. I think if he played the way he did in in 2015 for a few more seasons, then you could put him in that Hall of Very Good. But you know, it's hard to be a, a really good quarterback and 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 make a second team All Pro in in any NFL seasons. So I do think he uh you know he can look back on his career and at least consider it somewhat successful. What's the greatest throw you remember Carson ever making? And, and for me, I I think it's that Larry just little that, one. That's that's what I was gonna say. It wasn't a dump off, but that just you know he spins out and and, and throws that pass. But that's all Larry, and that, and that's why you know uh, I don't know that he, Carson is anything special. Yeah, he had one earlier in that game to Larry deeper down the field, but I think because it got overshadowed by that other Larry one because it, because of the moment and how amazing that game was. Um, it, it got overshadowed, but he had one where he threw it down the field, down the seam. It was he had some he had some great throws that year. I'm gonna go back and watch some more highlights. I think from that season because I do think it's it's hard to remember because he's not the most. It's kind of weird. He's not like the most exciting quarterback, so it's hard to get excited about some highlight plays where you can think of some Cam Newton or or Dak Prescott or, or quarterbacks like that making some big time throws. Whereas 
Carson Palmer is kind of just a plain Jane. It's hard to remember too much excitement surrounding him. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess I'll miss him um, a little, but um, I was never, you know, never really impressed. I'll just say that. Yep. Uh, some more Cardinals news for you to just um, spew more hate. Um, <laughs> the Cardinals head coach, Bruce Arians, has retired. Uh, very, very good career. I like Bruce Arians. You don't, but um, he's had some health issues, and we wish him the best. Obviously, we don't wish ill will on anybody, but um, he he brought a great and unique energy to, to my Colts in a very special season, so I'll always have that. Um, to look back on, and I think he got the best out of Andrew Luck. Um, I don't think there is a question that he's a good quarterback coach. I know you don't rate him as a head coach. I think he's he's had some, you know, risky calls that have that cost him some games, and obviously had that that NFC uh, title appearance, and just didn't did not go to plan. But I'm going to miss Bruce Arians because I think he's kind of a straight shooter, and he'd he'd often say things and and try to deviate from coach speak a little. It's that latter point that makes people romanticize Bruce Arians, in my opinion. I mean, you said, and a lot of people note him as, his book was titled The Quarterback Whisperer. He dealt with Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, and Andrew Luck, and Carson Palmer, who, I mean, we're talking about three guys who were all taken in the first round, uh, four, uh, four guys were taken in the first round, three of which were number one overall picks, one of which won the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, he's an incredible whisperer. He really, you know, had a hard time with these elite talents. He made the playoffs twice in five seasons in Arizona, and we act like he's this incredible coach. I just, I don't understand um, wh- where this comes from. I mean, I know that it comes from him being cool and, and cursing and things like that. I know he dealt with health issues. I would argue the most impressive thing he ever did was that 2012 season in Indianapolis. I just, uh, when it comes to Bruce Arians, people love to just, he, he's like your grandpa, you know, and, and people want to want to think he's something special, but he really wasn't in all actuality. Um, and, and so, um, I, and again, his, his biggest project in Arizona was Logan Thomas that he drafted from his his alma mater, Virginia Tech, who's a tight end now. I mean, that's that was his, his quarterback <laughs> his quarterback project. I mean, the guy is massively he, overrated. He made he made the playoffs and and beat he's he won in Seattle twice with Drew Stanton, and you know had a good season that year when when Palmer went down and he had Drew Stanton and. And then he lost Drew Stanton as well, and he like the same way you're crediting his wins in Seattle. You know who else had a a, a couple of victories against the Seahawks? Jeff Fisher. That's the company that Bruce Arians is. <laughs> I think he's a little bit better than uh, the old Jeff Fisher, but um, I do think people maybe over romanticize him a little bit too much, which probably can rub uh, people such as yourself the wrong way a little bit. But I, as I said, that 2012 season with the Colts. Really special moment, um, and I, I think I think he's a good coach, and I, I am sad to see him go, but um, I think the time is right. It could, some disappointing seasons there back-to-back, so some massive wholesale changes in Arizona with no quarterback and no coach, so it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, moving forward, and they won enough games down the stretch that they're not really up at the top of the draft like they would have liked, um, but another division rival here may be losing some players as well. Pete Carroll said Cam Chancellor and Cliff Averill will have a hard time playing football again. Um, both had neck injuries this season, so these comments kind of implore that Chancellor and, and Averill will retire, but obviously the coach said it comes up to the player. But Chancellor's only 29, Averill's only 32. 
We've also heard some talk about Michael Bennett potentially leaving. Um, Richard Sherman's 30, coming off an, a torn Achilles and will be owed about $13 million this season. This Seattle defense, I think, is going to look very, very different in 2018. Well, also, don't forget that Earl Thomas wants to play for the Cowboys. Yeah. That's the most important thing here. Um, you're, you're right. I mean, who's who's left? Bobby Wagner, I guess? Is yeah. that, is that Frank, kind of where Frank we're at? Frank Clark and Bobby Wagner. It's um, oh, and, and who could forget Byron Maxwell, of course, uh, yeah. in, in the return. <laughs> but, I, I mean, and it wasn't – was it just 2016 that Cam Chancellor held out? Or was it 2015 that he held out uh, for like three games? It was 2016, I believe. I mean, it's, I guess, understandable when you look at it. And I, I just there, – there's something in the water in Seattle. I mean, think back to uh, – I think it was the Panthers Sunday night game when Earl Thomas got hurt. And remember, he was tweeting from the locker room about how he was considering retirement then and things like that. I mean, they all kind of just – they think differently in Seattle and specifically the Legion of Boom. Um, if Cam Chancellor retires, I'll be devastated. He is, he is so awesome. I yeah. will miss him so much. It is interesting to note that all these changes are happening, and then when you look back at their 2017 draft class, they drafted positions that they're particularly strong at, and people were questioning what they were doing, but now it kind of makes sense. I think them not expecting two players to retire from being injured, but potentially moving on from them regardless because of age and, and contract reasons, but they took Malik McDowell in the first round, but he's under a bit of question with an off-the-field injury and, and an accident, but... Shaq Griffith, their third round pick, Delano Hill is a center, uh, is a safety. Um, Nazir Jones was a defensive tac- tackle. Um, Tedrick Thompson, another D back. They they took a lot of uh, sort of secondary players and and defensive players, possibly as a changing of the guard. So it will be interesting to see how they reload again um, in the upcoming draft. You know, I mean. It feels like so much happening at once, but it kind of makes sense. I mean, they all sort of arrived in 2012, and I mean, you'll remember there was that infamous, horrible class grade they were given that they yapped about after they won the Super Bowl. Yep. I mean, it's just it's just time. I mean, they 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 were kind of you know sort of like the Fab Five, if you will, and yep. then they're just graduating in some some aspect. Yeah, exactly. And look, they were a dominant defense for five years, so uh, you know it has to come to an end, but. Um, you know, this era, like kind of 2012 to 2015, when you look back at, you know, some of the great, great football elements, uh, people will talk about the, the Seattle Seattle defense. So uh, uh, if it is the end of the, the great Legion of Boom in that defense, they've had a hell of a run. I'll always remember that 2014 divisional round, Cam Chancellor jumping the goal line against the Panthers, catching the field goal and taking it to the house. That mm. was incredible. And then that hit from Chancellor on Vernon Davis as well. On the, oh. My God. That lost me a fantasy football title, but I did not care at all. <laughs> <laughs> Three-point stance. All right, three-point stance time. And as I said before, we're essentially splitting the show into three parts. So first part here is Black Monday. Let's go through um, some fires and some safes. And we'll talk, obviously, uh, the Indianapolis Colts. They fired head coach Chuck Pagano. He had six seasons. I can't believe it. That is correct. I'm so happy Thank for you. Why. He had six <laughs> six seasons. I can't believe he lasted six seasons. He walked into <laughs> Jim Ursay's office two years ago to get fired and got a four-year extension. Unbelievable. Um, he had a 53 and 43 record, but slumped to eight and eight and four and 12 this year. Um, so, look, a lot of players have come out and talked about how great he is as a as a player and all that. We know that. 
but he's a nice guy. We get it. But no one's talking about his strategy or his his great coaching mind or anything that ever put the Colts in a great position to win football games or go on a deep playoff run. For three consecutive years, we got absolutely smashed, worse and worse, against the Pats. And if you need to make the Super Bowl in the AFC, you know you need to have a game plan to beat Bill Belichick. And Pagano just didn't have the the prowess or the, or the footballing mind or strategy uh, to overcome that. What's the greatest win in your mind uh, under Chuck Pagano? Because, I mean, as, a, as somebody watching from afar, I would, I would guess it's the 2013 wildcard win over the Chiefs, that comeback. That's, that was incredible. That was incredible, but that was just all Andrew Luck. Like, it was just all Andrew Luck. I do think Andrew Luck's season, we beat Seattle, and T.Y. Hilton um, toasted Richard Sherman a couple of times. That was a... A pretty good win. And then we had a win against Green Bay, but that was why Chuck Pagano was away and the great Bruce Arians was coaching us. So um, they're right. kind of three three games that come to mind. But um, I think that was the first game that Pagano was at, if I remember correctly. I think it was the first home game that Pagano was oh, at. Right. Yeah, because it'd been a fortnight. So, yeah, it, it it we had the Chuck Strong banner up and all that. Look, and I wish Chuck Pagano all the best. I really do. I am... Not going to miss his lack of strategy, our slow starts, um, our prevent defense in the fourth quarter. No team's given up more fourth quarter losses in a season than the Colts, and no team over the, his six seasons has lost more than more double-digit losses than the Colts. So, like, that's even worse than the Browns. Like, he he, he has to go. He had to go. Um, I'm glad he's gone. I wish him the best, though. I'm not going to miss the cliches and the chopping woods as well. Um, Baltimore will have to put up with that now because it looks like they're going to put him in as back in as defensive coordinator, um, replacing Dean Pease. Uh I, I think that that's a good fit for Chuck Pagano. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm happy for him personally, uh, certainly what he's overcome. And I think that that's what I'll always remember is, is that, that locker room speech where he talks about that he has two daughters and he still has to dance at their weddings. Um, but, you know, some things just fit. It's like Brock going back to Denver. Chuck back to uh, to Baltimore, I like it. It makes sense. Yeah, and he um in the locker room after the uh the game when we won uh against the Texans, um his farewell speech, he said the five minutes after the win today with his players were the best moments of his life. The guy's married, has multiple kids and beaten cancer, but he's saying that this is the best moment of his life. I don't know. He um <laughs> he know. he had he had quite a memorable moment in front of a microphone this this past season. Why um the, the weather report? Oh boy! Um, we talked about this on the show, uh, right? But that's what I'm saying. It, it had it it had to end. That was the exorcism. You're free, man. I it was uh, New Year's Day here, um, and so we had football all morning. Um, I was. My friends were over. They were all hung over. I had to work, so I got home. And I turned the football on, and then sort of ten minutes later, it was Chuck Pagano fired, and it's just sunshine on a rainy day, baby. It was, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just good. Um, Dave Tube, Matt Nagy, Josh McDaniels, and Steve Wilkes are among the names being linked with the Colts, but I think we're going to have an extensive search. Um, Chris Ballard's going to be very thorough. Um, a lot of uh, Colts Twitter still thinks Jim Irsay is going to take over the search, but I do think Chris Ballard is the guy. Um, they didn't hire him to, to not be the guy. So um, I do think it'll be Dave Tube given their relationship with Chris Ballard. I hope it is. I do not want Josh McDaniels. I know you don't want him, and I know we've talked about that before here on this show, and I have long thought that Josh McDaniels is waiting 
for a quarterback to to leave the you know the the wing of Bill Belichick and I mean if you believe in the health of Andrew Luck and I know that my friend Josh Y does I mean it's kind of hard to find a better circumstance if you're Josh McDaniels. Yeah, I I get that. I just distinct from his Denver tenure it still lingers. That's how bad it was and how much of a disaster it was. I mean he tried to copy Spygate like. What is he doing? Like, how is this guy in head coaching circles uh, still? I, I, he's got Tom Brady and Bill Belichick around him. I, I just, I don't know how he will go outside that environment. And I think <laughs> if he wants a quarterback, go and hang around with Mitchell Trubisky. All right. That's oh, all, I'll say. Well, all right. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Raiders. Uh, they fired head coach uh, Jack Del Rio. Um, it didn't look like they were going to fire him, but obviously they fired him because um, they're going to sign John Gruden. Um, Adam Schefter said John Gruden's going to be the next head coach of the Oakland Raiders on ESPN. I mean, they're colleagues, so if he can't, if Schefter's not right on this, then I don't know what he would ever be wrong on again. Like, he has to be right on this, surely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's sort of the line of logic here. And, you know, at the time that we're talking, obviously, wild card weekend is ahead of us. And I think that I think everyone's waiting because ESPN still has one game left. The Monday Night Crew still has to do. Titans Chiefs and yep. so it, it's it's just kind of you know let's uh you know let, let's hold off a bit Sunday morning Adam Schefter will report that uh John Gruden is headed to Oakland to uh, sign on the dotted line yep which will be a Monday morning uh here so keep your eye out for that well, but for for Del Rio six and ten season you know he had a he had a great season last year he, he rolled the dice got that blackjack Del Rio nickname and and helped them sort of sneak in a few more wins than they were but I do think they overachieved last year and I think that's evident this year, uh, I don't mind that they fired him. To be honest, even if it even if it was for someone else, not even John Gruden, I just I wasn't convinced this year from from Del Rio and this Raiders team. I wasn't either, and I was at the Cowboys game in Oakland, and that's a really passionate fan base, and and they deserve uh, something incredible. I know that it was a great story for Jack. I mean, obviously his affinity for the Bay Area uh, and things like that, but. There's really no reason why the Raiders should have regressed this season. And they had all the momentum going for them, and they had the Marshawn Lynch story. But they didn't just regress on the field. I mean, the Marshawn Lynch thing, I mean, they regressed from a personality perspective. Donald Penn was fighting fans and uh, the stands <laughs> and, or whatever the case. I mean, they had a lot of problems, and, and somebody has to answer for that. The Raiders feel like they're in this sort of limbo, obviously, with them moving. Um, and so – I mean, I'm I'm just going to say this. It's just you and me. Why this John Gruden thing kind of feels like the Marshawn Lynch thing, you know, like, mm. oh, we're, we're, we've only got a, a little bit of time left in Oakland. What 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 sexy move can we pull off to really razzle dazzle the crowd? Yeah. Hey, let's go get John Gruden back. Yeah. And it feels like them trying to hold on and, and retain fans because they know they're going to lose fans when they move to to Las Vegas. Um, but. It just just feels like that. But for John Gruden, look, I got excited a little bit about some Colts John Gruden rumors earlier on in in 2017, and that was more just because I was so desperate to get rid of Pagano that I would just, was just getting excited about literally anyone. But I, I don't know. Since Gruden won that Super Bowl, he, he he didn't really make the playoffs after that, or if he did, he didn't win a game in the playoffs. I can't remember the exact stat, but he had some bad seasons. It's been a long time since he's been a been a coach, so I'm, I'm not really sure that this this is a great flashy name. We're not sure how good he, of a job he's going to do. 
I completely agree. I've, I've never understood why. He, and I, I think the reason why is that he's just the youngest of Bill Cower and Brian Billick and, and sort of the skins on the walls guys. And so it's a little bit more conceivable. And he's in the media, Gruden grinders and camps and all these things. I'll say from John Gruden's perspective, at some point, this whole hysteria that you're going to come out of, of retirement is going to end. I mean, at some point, we're not going to have the Gruden rumors uh, every offseason. And so if you're John Gruden, it's about time to go cash out. Uh, and I think he's doing it the right way. So, I mean, good for him, I guess. Yeah, and he's also getting a, a share, potentially, of the franchise, which is just an insane gamble uh, by the Raiders. It's actually kind of stupid. But, yeah. I mean, it's it's fun for you yeah. and I because we yeah. hold no attachment. Yeah, well, that's why I said it's insane. I, I didn't want to just label it dumb, but, yeah, I, I generally agree. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. Lions fired head coach Jim Cordwell. Um, he was kind of on the hot seat for a while there when Bob Quinn was named general manager. Being a, a Patriots guy, you, you don't really associate them with a, with a character or a coach like Jim Cordwell. Um, but then he kind of saved his job last year when they snuck into the playoffs and had a great start to the season, and they renewed him, had a 36-28 and 28, uh, record with uh, two playoff berths in four seasons, but uh, basically enough was enough after some dreadful performances um, here in the last few weeks, including a loss to the Bengals, um, which pretty much eliminated them from playoff contention. And he didn't challenge a, a, a potential catch that could have won them the game or put them in, in a position to win the game, at least. Um, the Lions said... That's enough, and, and they've sacked him. Yeah, you think back to uh, challenges and decisions and whatever that were made that influenced this season. I mean, you think if, if Detroit doesn't get screwed against Atlanta way back when, does Jim Caldwell still have a job? I mean, that's yeah. an interesting hypothetical. Um, at first, I was a little upset about this because I feel like Jim Caldwell is a good coach, and I know, you know, obviously uh, the things he did for your that. team. I think he's got a fairly limited ceiling as a coach, but – when you look at the candidates out there, is how much better are they or potentially could they be better than Caldwell? Well, and that's I mean, that's kind of where I where I fall now. And yeah. the Lions are in a similar situation, I feel like, to the Cowboys of, of not too long ago. I mean, Matthew Stafford, as young as he is, is not gonna play forever. And you know, I, I know that Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, they talk about how, you know, sort of the biggest crime of their careers is that Tony Romo never won a Super Bowl. And it's because they didn't do enough to advance his opportunities. And so I, I think that that's kind of what the Lions are thinking here. Hey, we've got this incredibly talented quarterback who can make do with a lot of other things. We have to get somebody who's capable of using that the right way. Yeah, I feel like coaching, great coaching is so overlooked um, as, a, as a weapon, as an asset for quarterbacks to help them win championships and and they believe that they can find someone that can you know get them over that hump and uh, I think it, Matt Patricia is probably going to be the guy for them um he seems to have that connection with with Bob Quinn again I'm not I'm always skeptical of Patriots coordinators outside of the New England system because it just is in such a well-oiled machine that it's that it you know the conditions and things are totally different um in in a different franchise and away from from the guru the, the goat the goat coach and, and general manager in Bill Belichick. So it is interesting. Plus, I'm always skeptical of a guy that has a pencil tucked behind his ear, but he has a laminated piece of paper. So the p pencil is redundant. Matt Patricia is so interesting, and it's it's really interesting that it's taken until now for him to be a head coaching candidate. Um, I, I think that he has – I feel the best about him having success away from New England, mm. although I was thinking while you were saying that, who's the most successful 
you know, protege. Is it Bill O'Brien? I mean, is he yeah, the most successful? Even, even, even he was about to get sacked. He was talked about as, as a guy that was going to get sacked in. It's um, amazing. It is. It, it's A lot of them are really struggled. I feel like that's that's a narrative that isn't really talked about enough. A lot of them do struggle. I think the front office people have a little bit more success. Um, I think Bob Quinn's great. Um, he's. I think he's going to do a good job. Or continue to do a good job. I think he's done a pretty good job um, already for the Lions. But yeah, I feel like the the front office guys have a lot more success than the players. And then the quarterbacks as well. Finally, Jimmy Garoppolo kind of has broken that mold of Ryan Mallett and Brian Hoyers that got talked about as potential second round and first round pick trades. And the Ryan Mallett one went for like two and a half years, and that that I completely <laughs> got sick of that. It's uh, it's an interesting phenomenon. I'll say that I kind of, as much as we talked about Matt Patricia, I kind of want Jim Bob Cooter to, to get this job because that would be three straight gyms that coach the Lions. Schwartz, Caldwell, and Bob Cooter. That's got to be a record. That, that cannot <laughs> have been done before, so... Um, but that may affect his presidential uh, chances. I know. Uh, That's true. That's I know we want. Point. I know we want Bob Kudo West, uh, twenty twenty. Um, so we'll wait and see how that all pans out. All right, moving on to Chicago. Fox Ball is no more in Chicago. John Fox has been fired. Uh, probably apart from Pagano, the least surprising firing of the season. Um, he was pretty much going to be sacked the minute they uh, went over his head and drafted uh, Mitch Trubisky without him even. Knowing whatever, but the the de- the defense did uh, overperform under Fox, but I think that has a lot more to do with Vic Fangio, who's who's a name that's been around in sort of uh, the bottom end of head coaching circles for a while. But he's one of the better defensive coordinators uh, in the NFL. But uh, Fox finishes his tenure with a fourteen and thirty four record um, and fewer than six wins in each of his three seasons. So pretty mediocre coach. He got them a little bit out of the dregs, got them kind of in the right direction, but not enough. Uh, he's a he's a bad coach. I'll say this about John Fox. Not that he's a great coach, certainly overrated in many capacities, but he really got an enormously raw deal here. I mean, think about it. He spent how much time, who knows, in free agency courting and signing Mike Glennon, thinking that's where they were going to go, and then kind of had the rug pulled out from under him on draft day because it was heavily reported that he and his coaching staff had no idea that they were going to trade up one spot to get Mitchell Trubisky. And so then you have that that elephant in the room the entire season, and, and that subsequently affected Mike Glennon, who, by the way, I think is a sneaky candidate to be uh, kind of a popular guy again in free agency potentially but that's really you know he was handed a, a really really bad set of cards here um and obviously didn't do anything with it but that was you know that, that why keep him entering 2017 that was that was idiotic to begin with there's ownership problems in chicago is my point yeah well they retained uh, or re-signed ryan pace um to an extension um just a couple of days later so it's clear that they obviously favor pace over fox which uh, obvious um so look they'll lean more of it like an offensive way i think to to develop trubisky he's shown some tools but over the last month also had some struggles um massively as well but you know still young still quite raw um only had 12 starts in college anyway as, as a quarterback so um he's nearly got that amount in the nfl um so I think uh, Shermer, uh, DiFilippo, and, and McDaniel's have all been linked there. I think McDaniel's would be an interesting fit with with Trubisky. Um, DiFilippo is interesting given what he's done with Carson Wentz. I think McDaniel's there would sort of be the exorcism, and I know I've used that word already today. Um, sort fine. of happening. We don't, here. we don't have quotas on words, here, so it's fine. <laughs> But think about it. Josh McDaniels goes to Denver, screws up the Jay Cutler situation. Where does Jay Cutler end up? 
Denver and uh, excuse me, Chicago. Chicago and yeah. Chicago, Chicago's kind of been cursed, uh, you know, since Jay Cutler landed there. So how do you exercise that? You bring in the guy who put him there, Josh McDaniels, and all of a sudden everything's undone and go back to being a legitimate franchise once more. <laughs> the curse has been lifted. Uh, the minute he signs, a rainbow appears over Soldier Field and all is good in the Windy City. That was well done. Thank you. That was well. John Facenda would be proud. I was. I got goosebumps right. I now. don't know who John Facenda is. Who is that? He nar- he narrates all the NFL films. Uh, oh, okay. You know, movies from from the seventies and eighties. Ah, uh, there we go. Um, I uh, prefer um the guy from uh, Ray Donovan, uh, Lee Schreiber. I like him for Hard Knocks. Oh, well done. He's a good one too. Yep. All right. Uh, some some people that uh you know surprisingly and unsu- or unsurprisingly. Uh, a safe. Uh, Bengals signed Marvin Lewis today to a two-year extension through 2019. Now, this one was really baffle- baffling. It's been uh, 15 years in Cincinnati. Um, Lewis, instead, is now going to go back for another two years. There was talks that he was going to potentially move into the front office, which that I, I was okay with because when I look at Marvin Lewis, he, he did turn the Bengals around. They were an embarrassment. They were a joke. They've had winning seasons. They've had They've had good teams. They've posted nine or more wins six times in nine years since 2009. That's pretty hard to do in the NFL. You can you can win. You can have a ten win season here or there, but six in nine years is is pretty good. But then the zero playoff wins is is very tough. I mean, they've had some bad luck when Andy Dalton got injured and, and Carson Palmer got injured and things like that. But yeah, it's hard to get excited about that. Like you think for Bengals fans, maybe time for a change is now. Well, I'll say this about Marvin Lewis, and I know I've said this before here. He's sort of commandeered two different eras of successful Bengals teams. There was the Carson, Chad, TJ era that we talked about, and now there's this Andy Dalton, AJ Green era. And and don't forget, I mean, that they had an enormous amount of talent poached away. I mean, over the last yeah. few off seasons, their offensive line was was decimated in free agency. Mohamed Sanu, uh, Marvin Jones. I mean. All those are dudes who they found and they drafted and, and they sort of put through the Bengals system. Um, that being said, though, I mean, it really is amazing that the Bengals are this committed to mediocrity. I, it's <laughs> it, it's it's hard to understand. And I, I feel badly for the Bengals. And at this point, I just want them to set A.J. McCarron free so I can kind of see what happens with him. I'm just a little curious there. Uh, I, uh, and I, I feel I bad for A.J. Green. I think they will. I, I do think A.J. McCarron will end up being a Brown. I th- feel like he's going to be the veteran to, to be paired with a with a rookie quarterback. I think, and, and we'll remember this in, in about 10 years, why, um, when we're sipping coffee uh, over the plains of Australia, if there are plains there. Um, <laughs> there are. I think, I, I think A.J. Green is the new Larry Fitzgerald, yeah, and no, he's trapped. I, yeah, I agree with that. It's so he's, sad. He's trapped. It's so sad. It really is. Generational yeah. talent trapped. Oh, it's, it is it is hard. And look, I, I don't want to be too harsh on Lewis because, as we said, it, it is tough to be a successful coach in the NFL, and I do think he is. I just It's hard to win playoff games with redhead quarterbacks, let's be honest. It is, it is tough, and it is annoying and frustrating for Bills fans to commit to that so that mediocrity. But then again, as I said, with, with the Caldwell thing, is the candidates out there that much better than Marvin Lewis? I, I don't know, but I, it is tough. But this doesn't mean that he's going to see out the entire two years. He could be sacked in week six if they start 0-6 or whatever. Um, I think Marvin Lewis's best legacy might be Mike Zimmer, to be honest. Well, and that's because Mike Zimmer really is a protege of Bill Parcells, not yeah. even Marvin Lewis, I mean, if, you're, if you're fair. I'm going to trace I'll it back. Also yeah. say- 
I'll also say for Marvin Lewis, he's had the misfortune. I mean, people talk so much about, you know, the AFC East. He's had to contend with Ben Roethlisberger and the Baltimore Ravens. And yeah. those are two of the premier franchises over the last decade. I mean, that's that's tough. Yeah, and nine wins or more, like, in that division. Like, that is pretty tough. Like, if Chuck Pagano could do that, you know, we'd be giving him a clap, but we can't. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, the Broncos, they're going to retain head coach Vance Joseph. I think this is the right call. Um, a lot of Broncos fans are calling for his head after the five and eleven season, but in you know there was eight games by they lost eight games by ten or more points, um, and then four or more by twenty. So some really dreadful, dreadful performances by them. But I don't think that's Vance Joseph's fault. I think that's John Elway's inability to find a quarterback after Peyton Manning left. Um, and I do feel like uh, throwing Vance Joseph out on the curve for something that he couldn't do or, or couldn't solve or, or give his coach a better system and a better uh, play caller at the quarterback position, that, yeah, that would be unfair on Joseph. I totally agree. And a lot of people are sort of starting to get hip to this trend now. Um, but but John Elway, and this will make you roll your eyes, is the Bruce Arians of general managers, except his uh, his equivalent of, of being the swashbuckling cursing guy is that he's a Hall of Fame quarterback for the franchise that he manages. What The, the greatest accomplishment that John Elway has in terms of commanding the Broncos is signing Peyton Manning. That's literally it. That's the only thing he's ever done. I mean, <laughs> and that that led to the signing of Bill Polian in the, in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> right, but but I'm I'm talking about his yeah. his job, you know, in this capacity, his signing of Peyton Manning, which was based primarily off of you know the the shadow that he casts as, as far as who he is. But think about his evaluations of quarterbacks. I mean, obviously he drafted Brock Osweiler. He was down with Trevor Simeon, drafted him as well. He wanted Colin Kaepernick before all of the anthem protests and all sorts of things when everybody thought Colin was a broken quarterback. And by the way, he is the only general manager on record for wanting Colin Kaepernick, yet nobody calls him out specifically for not bringing him in (laughs) uh, with, with lots of quarterback problems. And he traded up to go get Paxton Lynch. He is a horrible evaluator of quarterbacks. <laughs> Jerry Jones wanted to do the same thing. <laughs> well, sure, but yeah. but Jerry Jones is rightfully criticized for that. Yeah, My point true. is is that John Elway is just a mirage yeah. of a general manager. And, I, I mean, I'm glad that he at least had the wherewithal to say, hey, it'd be really unfair to fire this guy. Yeah, exactly. And um, on one thing with the Peyton as well, like, it kind of didn't even have to do that much work because Peyton didn't want to play in the NFC because he didn't want to um, knock his brother out in the playoffs um, potentially. And then he didn't want to play in the same division as Tom Brady. So he literally had like six teams to choose from at that point. And, you know, it, it kind of picked itself. So I, don't, I don't really didn't think John Elway had to do that much to court Peyton Manning to the Broncos. He didn't. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and I think, you know, Peyton's an NFL historian, obviously wanted to play for uh, a rich franchise and Denver's that that type of team and a great city, a great NFL city. Um, yep. I, I just I mean, John Elway is a problem. And if he wasn't who he was, if he was just anybody who had risen to that profession, the normal route, he would have been fired by now. Yeah, or at least under a heavy dose of scrutiny. And I think the obvious solution is they're going to sign Kirk Cousins. It's been reported today by some that it's coming down to Washington or or Denver already. I know it's very early days, but I can just see Kirk Cousins being a Denver Bronco. How incredibly fortuitous, you know, that 
John Elway would find himself in a position to land the big is Kirk Cousins not the biggest free agent quarterback since Peyton Manning was yeah. uh what was it now five years ago yeah six years ago yeah he is he is the biggest since uh to get those two and uh look he still hasn't quite hit on a, a an offensive draft pick yet in, in the early rounds um he's, he's managed to find some late gems on defense but um is that him or is that his scouting department uh who knows um, all right, moving on, the Browns, they're not going to fire head, co- head coach uh, Hugh Jackson. Despite a 1-31 and record in two seasons, Jackson will not um, be fired, and he will be back for the team in 2018. Um, and Jimmy Haslam said, I don't think Hugh has lost his magic. What, what magic? <laughs> yeah. what, when, when was there magic? Fake magic. Well, magic's not real, is it? So essentially, you know, he's not I... saying much at all, really. I just find it amazing that Jack Del Rio was fired and that Hugh Jackson was not. And Jim Caldwell. Yeah. Yeah, and Jim Caldwell. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is – I actually – I mean, I, I don't remember how you fell on this, but I was kind of excited when Hugh landed in Cleveland. I, I wanted to believe I was as well. So I, I wanted to believe in, in things Second like that. Second chance but for him. I've, I've really been turned off. He's come across kind of arrogant. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about how nobody else could have done this job. I mean, it just uh, it's it's an incredible thing to watch. I mean, I don't who the state of Ohio should not be allowed to participate in professional football. <laughs> and do you know what's funny as well? Like, there's a lot of stink around you know Pat Shermer's tenure as the Browns head coach, but when you actually look back now. It was it was not that bad, you know. Like really, like it's not it's not that bad when you think about his head coaching. Like four at twelve and five and eleven. Like you would take that right now, right? Yeah, I mean, I would take Mike Pettin right now. But there's a lot of guys. It's yeah, just, it's it's and Sherman's I mean, a name that's popping up in in head coaching circles again. And um, he's a guy that I'll probably get excited about getting a a second chance again as a, as a head coach. So, but whether he'll have the Hugh Jackson type level, I doubt it. But yeah, I was I was confident in Hugh, and yeah, I definitely think he's he's cost them a lot of games with some bad bad play calling and some bad decisions in second half. I I just I don't know how you can get rid of Sashi and, and not get rid of Hugh. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it zero and sixteen. I mean, imagine that that really happened. A team went a team did not win a game, and their coach is being somewhat celebrated. <laughs> to think, John Dorsey's crying himself to sleep into his pillow every night now now knowing he's the general manager of the Browns and a, a position now has just opened up in Green Bay. Oh my gosh, goodness gracious, absolutely. <laughs> I I think though the the real losers in all of this, the actual literal losers are the Chargers. They're the only team the Browns have beaten in 2 years. Hmm. Yeah. One coach that's safe, Anthony Lynn though. I think the Chargers did a good job this year. They they had some charger <laughs> they had some charger games, some early Chargers-esque games early on in the season with the culture that it took a few games to, to get rid of that culture and get rid of the stink and and flush it out or out the window or down the toilet but they they managed to they go, they went nine and three in the last 12 games that's pretty good yeah i mean i like the chargers i'm you know but obviously they were a bit of a disaster entering uh you know this season they're, they're again the, the browns only point <laughs> of pride in two years is the chargers i know it's so sad uh all right <laughs> moving on last little bit before we move on to previewing wildcard weekend uh, Dirk Cutter will return in 2018. It looked like he was going to get fired, but I think since the Glazier family couldn't um, get John Gruden, they wanted to bring him back in Tampa. Um, obviously, they didn't offer him a percentage in their franchise. So that was probably the difference between Gruden going to Tampa or, or Oakland. 
Um, they said Carter can stay one more year. So he needs to have a winning season next year or he's 100% fired. You've said this already a few times. Um, this, I think, is the, the best case of, well, there's not really anybody that we'd rather have other than you. So yeah. I, I guess. But the Bucks seem like a perfect team next season to have a 2017 Giants season. You know, just complete and total mm. implosion. Jameis, and you, you can see Mike Evans throwing things on the sideline, and, and they just all falling apart for them. Yeah, and Deshaun Jackson's had a little bit of trouble last week, very Brandon Marshall-esque uh, some stuff. So, yeah, I could definitely see that as well. Um, all right, wild card weekend. Let's uh, Four games uh, starts uh, Sunday, 8.30 a.m. here in Australia. Um, for those tuning in, and then we have a Sunday 12, 15 p.m. game, Monday 5 a.m., and then Monday 8.40. So let's start. Titans at the Chiefs. What's your thoughts on this game? Who's winning? What's your thoughts? Well, I, I want to believe in the Titans. You know, they follow me on Twitter. They're my friends. Um, and so I feel obligated to stand up for them. Um, however, you know, a few weeks ago, I told you these Chiefs, I think they could win the Super Bowl. No, I mean, I think they're, 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 they're getting back. They're Why? They're getting Okay, but if there's a fraud in, in this playoff slate, it's the Titans. Oh, there definitely I mean, are. You know. I've been saying for three weeks now, I can't wait to bet against the Titans and the Chiefs in the playoffs, and they're bloody playing each other. It's unbelievable. I I, wanted to I do think it's 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 just I, – I, I don't know what's wrong with the Titans. I, I, I should say I don't know what I hate the most. Um, I don't know what I believe in the least. There's There's not a single point on the Titans that I look at and say, man, you know what? I would want that. Um, I think that they, you know, it, there was a perfect storm of coincidence and luck and they, they did just enough at the right time. Uh, but it really just does feel like, um, I don't want to say a lamb being brought to slaughter, but it feels like this game will be close. It feels like it'll be 13, 10, you know, kind of late third quarter. And then Kareem Hunt or Tyreek Hill will break one off. And then that's all she wrote. Yeah. Look, I'll say one thing about the Titans. I do think their defense has played really well the last eight weeks after, uh, being a, a kind of bit of a mess early on in the season, especially in in past defense, um, but I do think they've um, improved quite a, quite a bit, and they've kept their kept themselves in teams uh, in games. Sorry, kept their teams in games. Um, Did I start very late in in into them? So that it's always a chance to win, and and then eventually Marcus Mariota last week stood up in a big spot with his legs and, and got them over the line against a, a Jacksonville team that I'm not sure whether they're playing 100, percent but it was clear that they were still trying uh, to, to knock out their division rival. I'm not sure if it was a complete schmozzling but by the Titans. But, yeah, I I think the Chiefs will win. Um, they're eight-and-a-half-point favorites. I do think they'll win. Um, the Titans um, will get to this in a little bit as a, uh, a best and worst of season 2017. One of my worst is the Titans actually being in the playoffs because they're a boring team to watch. They They really are. I think this is fascinating in terms of the quarterbacks, because I would argue that Alex Smith is sort of the evolved version of Marcus Mariota. He's like the Venusaur to Marcus's Bulbasaur, if you will. <laughs> it's definitely uh, a great analogy. So looking just at like DVOA, <laughs> uh, Kansas City pretty much trumped them in everything except defense. So, um, And that's the one thing that I'm at least confident in, though, is the Tennessee offense. So that's the one thing they have an edge over over them is that you know they can exploit this 30 ranked DVOA defense but i just haven't seen enough out of Marcus Mariota through the air um this season to really believe that they can get something done um i'm not sure whether that means that they could just come out of nowhere and, and pull it off but i do think the chiefs should win and Kareem Hunt um as you said breaking off a run 
um, late in this game. He's been pretty good after a mid-season slump. I like it. Yep. Rushing leader. All right, uh, let's go with a score prediction from you. I will say 23-10. to 10. Okay. Chiefs. 23-10. I'm going to go with... Uh, yeah, that's a good... That's a great score, actually. Um, I'll go with uh, 21 to 10 as well. Mm. So just a little bit less. All right, moving on, the second game. I think this is the best game of the round. Falcons at the Rams. Uh, I do really like this Rams team, but I'm if I'm a Rams fan, though, I'm a little bit nervous about this game because the Falcons' defense has been pretty good the last few weeks. Um, they've been very saucy. Deion Jones has played really, really well. Um, Trufant's playing well. Their secondary's good. Um, Dontari Poe's been popping up and, and, and making some plays. So this is a team that can definitely scare you a little bit. And you know that this offense on its day can really click, but we still haven't quite seen it all click into place for for an explosion of points. Um, but who knows when it, it can finally get unleashed. I think this has potential to be a great game. I, I certainly believe that. However, I think the Rams are just locked in. And, and I think... More than the Rams, I think Todd Gurley is locked in. Todd Gurley is in a very special place is he your MVP? right now. He's not my MVP, but he's certainly the MVP of the last month. But you just you don't win MVP that way. I think he's the best running back in the playoffs. That includes Le'Veon Bell. And I think he's just too big of a force for the Falcons at this point. I think Jared Goff makes a nice throw at one point. Just one of those throws and, and immediately people tweet, that's why he was the number one overall pick, et cetera. This just this is the the game that the NFL has wanted forever. A night prime game in Los Angeles. The NFL is back. They have this sort of young, prominent head coach at the helm of the Rams. I'm really excited about this. I think the Rams are, are going to blow this thing open. Yeah, I'm I'm really upset that the, the Bucks, um managed to beat the Saints last week because I really, I really didn't want the Rams and the Vikings to potentially be on the, on the, on the same side of the draw. If all goes to plan and the Rams and, and Saints both win, um, uh, the Rams-Vikings would have been such a great NFC Championship game because I do believe that they are the two best teams in the NFC, mm-hmm. the Vikings and the Rams. And I think Sean McVay did a good job last week in resting his players. I think that's a great veteran move from a young coach. Um, a lot of people get scared off about resting players, but the way this season has gone with, with MVP candidates dropping like flies and, and injuries just being an absolute um, eyesore and just puts a big stink on, on games and has ruined a lot of great matchups. Uh, where we've seen a great player get injured the week before, um, I think it was a smart move. I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be fresh. Whereas the Falcons kind of already had to play a playoff game, um, and they won ugly. They still got the job done, especially on defense. But you're right, Todd Gurley against the 20th ranked rush defense in DVOA. I do think he's going to have a field day. You're, you've got Robert Woods back now, Sammy Watkins, Cooper Cup. I am worried about Cooper Cup dropping a key pass in a key moment. He seems to have done that in a, quite a few games this year. I, I think that's fair, but but in the spirit of sort of um, you know haunted uh, or skeletons in a closet kind of thing, I, I'll give the Falcons a lot of credit. And I'm I'm not a big Falcons believer, but I mean they made it back to the playoffs after suffering the most humiliating loss in Super Bowl history. I mean that says a lot yep. about the mental resolve of this football team. However, I mean that toll has been weighing on them literally 
almost an entire year. And it's, I mean, it just, it does feel like they're, they're running on fumes, so to speak. And so it just, I mean, coming into the house of a team that's riding really high, it just feels like it's not enough at this point. And, and I think that they're finally going to sort of be, you know, put out of their, their quote unquote misery, um, even though it was a successful season as far as making the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. I 100% agree with that. I do think if they are going to win the Falcons, Devontae Freeman's going to have to outplay Todd Gurley. I think that's going to be the key thing. That's the one way you can beat the Rams is on the ground. They're 22nd in, in rush defense, whereas they're third in pass defense in uh, in DVOA. So um, very underrated pass defense, the Rams. I feel like they don't have really any big names in their secondary, like your, your Cam Chancellors and your Richard Shermans, but they've got a really sol- solid group of players and, and great coaching um, from Wade Phillips. But I do think if they are going to win, but... Devontae Freeman needs to, or Tevin Coleman needs to have a big game, but um, I think Freeman's been on the injury report the last couple of days, so that's something to monitor um, as we get closer. All right, what's your score prediction and, and who wins? I think the Rams show up big, and I and I think that propels them um, into the divisional round of the playoffs. I think they win something like 31-17. I like that. It feels okay. good. All right. I was going to, uh, I've got to stop asking you first. I was going to say around that 31 31- Mark, but I'll go. Uh, I'll go twenty-eight to twenty. 20 Man, no 20. field goals. No field goals for either of your winners. Yeah, no field goals. Um, all touchdowns. Yeah, that seems a bit off. Twenty-nine <laughs> twenty. Let's go with that. <laughs> is that a scoregami game? I hope it is. I love scoregami. That's one of the great. I only found that at Twitter account this year. It's been one of my highlights. I, I add that to my best list for the season is the next uh, next uh, point in three-point stance, but we'll, we'll talk. All right, uh, Bills, Jags. Uh, it's clear the NFC games are, are much, much better um, than the uh, than the AFC matchups, but you know, you want something weird in 2018? Blake Bortles is nearly a double-digit favorite in a playoff game. That That is crazy to me. Eight-and-a-half-point favorites, the Jags, at home. We know what their defense can do. They're the number one-ranked DVOA defense. They're a really tough team. To pass on their pass defense is unbelievable. Jalen Ramsey, AJ Boy, to Sean Gibson, and, and Co are just an amazing uh, defense. It's hard to pass on them. Telvin Smith dropping back into coverage as well. There's a way to beat them though. It is on the ground, but Lashawn McCoy sprained ankle will be a game time decision. I think that's going to loom large for the Buffalo Bills because. You cannot head into a playoff game with Mike Tolbert as RB1. You can't, but you can enter with Tyrod. And, and Tyrod, mm. I mean, dude, I mean, yeah. what a year. What what a year to drag this Bills team to uh, to the swamp, I guess, in Jacksonville. I mean, yeah, I, I, I get, get the, I mean, they, they have a pool. Drag um, them through the swamp if they get a win is, is, a, is <laughs> the analogy. That's true. I think the Bills are fascinating here. Um Think about all the moves of, they made. A lot of good vibrations I, and, and motivation and, and energy coming through over the last four days. But, I mean, people thought this team was – were ha- well, you know, they thought they were having a fire sale. Think about all the players they traded. Sammy Watkins, right? They traded Marcel Darius to these Jaguars. Yes. Uh, traded for Kelvin Benjamin. Traded away um, – who was the linebacker? Has, uh, not Hassan Reddick. Uh, who was the, the linebacker they traded to the Chiefs um, early in the season? Um, maybe it was Hassan Reddick. I, I forget. Ragland. Uh, yeah, Reggie Ragland. Thank you very much. The the point is, is that all of the players they traded away also made the playoffs. I, oh, and Ronald Darby. That's amazing. Yeah. All the players they traded for different destinations still made the playoffs, and so did they. That's really incredible. This is 
the Doug Marone revenge factor, I think, is an interesting sort of subplot to this. It hasn't I like been mentioned Bills, at man. all either, which is crazy. It, it hasn't, but I like the Bills in this game because they, they have something dangerous going on in that they just believe right now. And and again, it's Blake Bortles. I, I, mean, like I know, he's, he's a, he's a double-digit favorite at home, it, it, nearly. It, it's it's. It's crazy, yeah. And he and do you know what's funny? We we had the last time we recorded a show, we asked, "Is Blake Bortles good?" And ever since that, he's been terrible, terrible. We jinxed it's, him. Sorry, Blake. I, I just, I it, it's it would be poetic for the Bills to get a win in the playoffs over a team that can't get out of their own way, and it would be poetic for Blake Bortles to just ruined this yeah but in saying all of that this, this game we're talking about Tyrod who I think with his feet can get things done and make things work but against Kalei Campbell and, and Yannick Ngokwe and Dante Fowler and all these great pass rushes and edge players that they got I, I just think they're eventually going to wear him down and get it done I just it, it comes down to running backs if LaShawn McCoy can play I give the Bills a chance but if he's out Leonard Fournette no Marcel Darius I think that's the huge difference right there is that you've got Marcel Darius, now they don't. Leonard Fournette should touch the ball 30 times, and he should run the ball down Buffalo's throat because since they lost Marcel Darius, they've been one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. They're ranked 31st in run defense, and that's why I'm going to take the Jags, and I'm going to take them to win. It's going to be a low-scoring affair, but I do think they'll I'll, they'll get it done. It'll be, uh, let's go with 21-7. to 7. See, that's really similar to what I, I think. I think the Bills win this, man. And I think Bills Mafia outdoes themselves, which will be impressive. I like the Bills winning 13-6. to six. Okay. That feels right. All right, there we go. I'm actually going to change my score as well. I'm going to go with 20-7. Uh, to Because three, right. three touchdowns feels a bit too much for the Jags, whereas a couple of field goals and two touchdowns seems a little bit more there. Their so third go... straight... Yeah, it's third straight original prediction with no field goals. What's up? Yeah, I know. I don't know. Um, I just don't like kicking field goals. Just go for it on fourth down every time. That's my yeah, opinion. I like it. So you're taking Buffalo now. That is going to change things up a little bit if they do win because that means the Pats get Buffalo, um, and that's just two straight bye that, weeks for them. Um. <laughs> that feels, but doesn't doesn't that feel like destiny? Honestly, yeah. and yeah. and it and it feels like the Bills convincing themselves they have a shot. Um, and then it, it all just falling apart. Yeah, that makes it, that makes a, a lot of sense. And the Pats getting two bye weeks makes a ton of sense for Pats' luck um, in the Belichick Brady era. All right, let's move on. Panthers Saints, another another good game. The NFC South done a great job. Three playoff teams. Um, the Saints they've beaten the Panthers twice this season. Can they do it a third time? Um, well, you know, I like um, I like this game, and I don't like it as much as I thought I was going to like it. I feel disappointed by the Saints, especially last week, but I think I feel even more disappointed by the Panthers. So I feel like this game lost some sex appeal. You know what I mean? Yeah, it does. I, I really like Cam Newton was on a on a similar to Blake Bortles was having a really good run, a really good stretch, and then it's kind of all fallen apart the last two weeks. The passing game's just been kind of non-existent. They really featured Christian McCaffrey in that first drive a couple of weeks ago, and then they failed to do it ever since. It's Seems a little bit baffling to me. And look, the Panthers' defense is good, but I don't know if it's great or good enough to handle this um, Kamara-Ingram combination. 
Yeah, I think the Saints win ultimately. And by the way, you saying that just reminded me. I know I mentioned all the Bills that were traded away that made the playoffs. All the fantastic rookie running backs made the playoffs. I mean, you've obviously got Christian McCaffrey uh, slated to be an incredible one. Dalvin Cook, not there but his team is there yep. obviously and he he's a big part of you know why they they did what they did uh when he was around Leonard Fournette's in the playoffs obviously Alvin Kamara's in the playoffs Kareem Hunt is in the playoffs that's kind of amazing it is it's uh it is actually pretty insane when you think about it so draft running backs make the playoffs <laughs> yeah remember you dropped yeah. Zeke last year you made the playoffs Saquon at three overall let's yeah. do it Colts Super Bowl next year <laughs> but but I, I agree with you I I think Alvin Kamara has I, I think the two of them have just an incredible game I think Drew Brees kind of just pilots the ship like he has been and I think the Saints move on and uh, I, I like that I think the Saints belong in the divisional round over these Panthers yeah I definitely agree there and the Saints actually finished the season off um, they were ranked two last week in DVOA even losing to the Bucks in crazy fashion pushed them up um, to the number one team in DVOA because of their, their offensive output um, and, the, and the Pats uh, struggled uh, somewhat against the Jets. So um, New Orleans, the number one team, their lowest ranked you know thing across the board in terms of offense, offense defense, and special teams is a 15th ranked special teams unit. They're second in offense, eighth in defense. I just think they're a far more complete team. In the last two games that they've played against the Panthers, they've scored 31 points each time. So this Panthers defense is supposed to be really strong, but the Saints have scored 30 points um, at both times. I think they score 30 points again, and I'm going to go 30-17 to 17, um, Saints win. That's a good score. I like that score. Uh, I like it because you finally included some field goals. Yes. Um, You're welcome. But I'm going to go, I'm gonna go 34-27. Wow. New okay. Orleans. You can, I, I just don't know if I can see... Carolina team scoring 27 points but we know with Cam he's such a streaky quarterback and it, it's and it's not just like a streaky quarterback game to game it, it goes in ebbs and flows throughout the season so you know, if he gets to a hot start in this game and then it just starts to build his confidence up it snowballs from there and then he can you know if they manage to find that upset the Panthers can be a dangerous team heading into the divisional game against the Nick Foles less Eagles team or or against the Vikings, I'm not sure there, but against definitely against the Eagles, if that, that's the team that they're going to face, um, then you know potentially you know you could see them getting on a bit of a roll. But I just just don't know if they can get over Drew Brees. Like he hasn't had to really have a a big Drew Brees game yet um, to win a game. So this could be this could be it. I think obviously um, Drew Brees has yet to show up. I mean the way we're sort of expecting him to, but it just. It does. It does feel like it's happening, right? I mean, that that's not going to not happen, especially yeah. with the Saints in the playoffs. Um, and so, what I'll say is that I I think that this is trending in a particular direction, and, and it involves the Saints. And you know that I was a believer, obviously, uh, in the Saints uh, as as a Super Bowl team. But the Saints are the the three seed, right? So, yeah. I mean, I I. I'm really not hoping that we get sort of our predictions here because I want a Saints-Eagles division around game because that the last time both of these teams were in the playoffs were 2013, and we got a Saints-Eagles game, and it was Nick Foles who was the quarterback of that game, the yeah. same Nick Foles who went to Austin Westlake and broke all of Drew Brees' records. We have to get that rematch. <laughs> it is crazy that, that, that we could see a potential <laughs> Nick Foles-Saints 
playoff game yet again. Incredible. The NFL really is uh, is really amazing. Like the last twenty four hours in terms of for us New Year's Day and then and then yesterday and then for you guys New Year's Eve and New Year's Day in terms of the college football. Um, so that the entire red zone, like nine games in a row, with all the playoff implications and seeding implications going on all at once, and then yesterday with the Rose Bowl. The 24 hours of just football, of narrative and excitement and drama, it's just been unbelievable, the start to 2018. This year's shaping up quite nicely. Yeah. I'm, uh, uh, I'm digging it. All right, last bit of the show. So there's our playoff uh, predictions for the wildcard round. So that would shape up quite nicely. Um, we've had a, a couple of different picks, but um, my scenario would mean that the Chiefs uh, end up playing the Patriots and the Jags will take on the Steelers, which just per- per- perfectly lines up our prediction of Bortles heading into New England um, in the uh, AFC Championship game and, and laying an egg. And then on the other side of the ball, we've got the, the Rams taking on the Vikings and the Saints taking on the Eagles. So some interesting matchups. Um, Vikings-Rams definitely should be an NFC Championship game. Um, yeah, it's going to be disappointing that that's going to come a week early. Hey, that's all right. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll figure out a way to make it work. Yep, exactly. All right, last bit of the show before we wrap things up, and we'll be quick with this because it's been a long show, but there's a lot to get to. The regular season is over, but uh, it doesn't mean that we can look back and and celebrate the good times and the bad times of the 2017 season. I've, I've listed some down here, but RJ, I'm going to ask you, what what's some of your favorite moments uh, this season? Well, I, I mean, I like that you ask moments and not necessarily uh, games because games is so hard to pick. Uh, and, and your list is quite admirable, certainly. I think Tony Romo was such a, a great breath of fresh air in, in the booth. Obviously, I mean, that was just so incredible to see. Uh, I think these rookie running backs that we mentioned, I mean, it was such an infusion of talent and to see all these players uh, really jumping and having high levels of success. I would argue that one of the best moments was week one, Thursday night, the first game, Kareem Hunt, that long touchdown, that really sort of sent things into a tailspin. Mm. Um, I mean, this, this has been a weird season, certainly in a lot of ways. Um, and, and I think that, you know, when you think about the best game of the year, I think a lot of people will say uh, that Raiders Chiefs game was great. Obviously, that uh, that Steelers Patriots game was fantastic. I, I would argue that that Rams Eagles game was maybe a game of the year. I know Carson got hurt, um, but it was such an incredible game with what was on the line, sort of, you know, Steelers Patriots first. But I think if I had to pick one thing, just like one moment, dude, Antonio Brown. Uh, he the the fact that he manages to live up to expectations is one thing, yep. but he manages to outdo them. I mean, Antonio Brown is maybe the greatest treasure in the NFL right now. Yeah, I I wrote that down. I I, I really wanted to to, to mention the, the great play of DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, and Adam Thielen this year, kind of closing the gap on AB. I and mean, we've had some other big name wide receivers out injured or, or take a little struggle this season. Julio a little bit in the new scheme and OG, OBJ being injured, but. You know, they kind of closed the gap a little bit, and then AB just said, all right, okay, you're in my sphere, that's fine, I'll just take things to an incredibly whole new level, and just just soared, and it was unbelievable what he was able to do on that, like, it was like a four or five week stretch, where it was just, like, it's unbelievable, and teams know it's coming, but they still can't do anything about it, which is what makes him so special, and it's not like he can change things up to improve him, it's just him being just so good at his job, um, that you literally have no answer. You you can't really change. Whereas a quarterback, you can change things up or change a scheme or change a play call or a protection or something like that to try and 
catch an offense off guard. But when you're a wide receiver, like it's pretty clear, like you, you just need to stay close and stop him from catching. But no one can do it. Nope, they cannot. I, I mean, it, it's it's amazing. And, and what I like about Antonio is how open he is. He reminds me. I don't know if you'd agree with this. He, he reminds me of Ricky Fowler. Uh, in that he's so open with his life, especially on social media. I mean, he embraces sort of the age he's living in, his mm-hmm. age. I, I I really enjoy that about him. And I enjoy that he plays for a marquee franchise. Um, it, it's weird. I mean, I know you agree when, when teams like the Jaguars have success because it's just yeah. it doesn't feel right. Um, so, um, it, it's, it's good. Antonio Brown, uh, was great, but I, I mean, if I know I said that he would be the best, but my top thing is Tony Romo, uh, undeniably. Yeah. yeah. He nailed it in week one and, and continued to do it, um, throughout the, uh, entire season. And I look forward to, to more of Tony Romo. I'm just going to rattle off some things here that, that I really like, and I'm just going to yell out some names. Carson Wentz, um, this year was, was fun to watch, um, after, being really awful the last half year in his rookie season after starting off so hot. To Sean Watson, his incredible six-week run um, was just mm. unbelievable. It was MVP-like uh, play from him. Um, and watching Clemson struggle yesterday made me miss him so much more, even as a division rival. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald and Frank Gore continue to just defy age um, at an incredible... Jason Witten. Hey, Jason. And, what, what's going on? All right, Jason Thank you Witten, very much. Adam Vinatieri as well. Um, we've got to mention <laughs> and Josh McCowan. What about him? Still it's old. True. It's he was fun. Point. He made the Jets fun. I, I I appreciate you, Josh McCowan. Uh, Sean McVay. Um, I think he changed a franchise. Um, or at least the trajectory of a franchise. Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I think he's been unbelievable the last six weeks now. But I think my favorite moment um is Cam Newton's watch this touchdown pass to. To Christian McCaffrey, I think I've watched mm. that a hundred times. I, I can't get enough of it. Um, it is just unbelievable. Uh, but then some other ones, some good feel-good moments. Josh Gordon coming back, Teddy Bridgewater coming back. You mentioned games. The snow game was fun. That was fun. That uh, was the same day as the Cam Newton thing, wasn't it? I yeah, believe that so. was a great day. Um, and then overall, touchdown celebrations being back. I think that was that was cool. That added uh, some extra elements to to the NFL. So true. I will also add one more in there. Uh, the same day as Cam and the snow game, um, I saw with my very eyes an NFL game come down to an index card. That was incredible. Yeah, that was, <laughs> which then uh, got banned the next week. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So it's been a fun season, a fun regular season. Um, you know, our teams haven't been as successful as we had liked, and um, we wish there was a little less drama. Um, involved involving our franchises, but still, um, as football purists and, and lovers of the game, um, we can still look at some of the best and, and admire a lot of the players and athletes that uh, continue to put their body on the line every week. Some some worst moments for me at the catch rule, and that was exemplified in that that Steelers Patriots game. Um, on the flip mm. side to the Sean Watson, his injury, um, and then we lost OBJ, David Johnson. J.J. Watt uh, very early in the season. And then MVP candidates started to drop like flies with Wentz and Antonio Brown um, and players like that. And then Ryan Chazy's freak accident. And we've had some, some nasty head clashes and, and head injuries with some people being putting on uh, onto the onto the carts the last few weeks. So that's that's been some scary stuff. Certainly. I think for me, this season felt weird uh, in, in a lot of ways. And this season felt a lot like it had nothing to do with football um, for a football season. And I mean, part of that was chronicling Ezekiel Elliott. Um, mm. He was suspended and then not suspended and, and suspended. then going to court yeah. and appealing it. And the judge was on vacation. Um, 
you know, the the anthem stuff isn't anything that I, I really waver on one way or another. But it, it the 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 level of discussion it reached, you know, obviously transcended the game, and so it just felt like there were so many things of that size happening in 2017 if again it just felt like the the game itself and Mm. you could throw the catch rule in there what was sort of a a forgotten factor um you know and and you mentioned that we're both football purists I mean it felt like the game wasn't as pure this regular season as it has been in seasons past yep and there was a few issues like that with you know the Zeke thing teams changing their mind uh, the NFL changing its mind and, and chopping and changing and that was Again, sort of oh, yeah. shown in the, the Rob Gronkowski hit and subsequent inconsistent suspensions being handed out after that. So that was definitely, uh, you know, a bad moment in the NFL as well, especially that, that Gronk hit itself um, because, you know, Gronk's such a fun dude and to see him act like that, that was that was uh, not good to see at all. It was, I mean, again, I mean, you could, numerous examples, the Gronk hit, Marshawn for defending Marcus Peters, Akeem Zaleeb and Michael Crabtree, yep. Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Thomas Davis. It's just, it's mm. unreal. It really is. Yeah. All right, man. Well, anything more to add or uh, that's it for uh, the regular season looking back? I think that's it. I just wanted on the record that Andrew Luck did not play a snap. That's all I I really wanted to say. He also threw zero interceptions and will appear in the same (laughs) amount of playoff games this season as Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Philip Rivers, and uh, many other great quarterbacks. So just let Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo. Yep. So there you go. (laughs) I I really wish Garoppolo got traded early in the year because I would have liked to have seen uh, him, uh, if he played like that for 10, 12 games, enter the MVP race as a. It would have been funny to see him snatch it out of Tom Brady's hands. um, That would have been a really great narrative. You know, I, I mean, not to sort of start a whole new discussion, but and maybe this is a topic for another pod, but are the 49ers not just like what the Browns want to be? I mean, they they, <laughs> they they sort of, you know, they picked up, you know, uh, a basket of picks thanks to the Mitchell Trubisky incident. Um, so, you know, picked up some 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 uh, currency there and they pulled off Jimmy Garoppolo when the Browns were trying like crazy to do so. I I just I think the 49ers are literally what the Browns tried to do and failed. Yep. And uh Owen 16 to show for it. So uh <laughs> not great. And another sort of bad part of the season is you hate seeing a, a bunch of players that go Owen 16 because of their ineptitude of their coach and organization. So that's always sad to see, but RJ Choa, thank you for joining us. I know it's very late uh, where you are right now. I think it's probably now we're, we exist in the same day, is that correct? Uh, that's true. It January is. 3rd. Yeah, welcome welcome me to the future. I yeah. appreciate it. Um, I'm g- going to tell you the rest of your Wednesday is going to be mighty fine, my friend. And uh, for those listening that are like, man, I like this RJ guy. I, I don't like Bruce Arians either. I uh, I, <laughs> I like Matt Patricia. He's a, cool go- he's a cool dude, even though he writes on laminated paper with a pencil. I think Buffalo can win. Where can people find your work and then converse with you and say, yes, RJ, I agree. Or, you know, maybe they, maybe they like Bruce Arians and they want to fight you in the street. Where can they find well, you? you can find me in the Twitter streets. I'm at RJ Ochoa. You can watch Ocho Live every day uh, there or on, or on my Periscope, same handle. You can watch it on the Blog and the Boys Facebook live feed. You can also read me at blogandthevoice.com. You can uh, read me at ESPNSA.com. And uh, more often than not, which is a good thing, you can hear me hanging out with my good pal, Josh Wine, the Boot and Wine Show, the best uh, Australian NFL podcast. Actually, scratch that. The best NFL podcast in the world. I'm oh. not going to limit this wow. to Australia. Jesus. That's uh, it's high regard. I, I would have just limited it to just Australian pod, but 
um, that's that's fine. That's that's cool. I appreciate it, man. Um, we will be back next week. Um, still still waiting to see whether Woot uh, will be joining us. Might I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think he might be overseas. So it might uh, might be RJ Ochoa uh, back on the show again. And I think uh, if I go back and add a tally up, he might have more appearances uh, now than Woot. So we might have to uh, yeah change a little bit of this intro music uh, as we head towards the Super Bowl. But uh, we'll be back next week. Please check out the punt return and uh, DFS down under. We're going to continue that all the way until the Super Bowl. And until next time, enjoy Wild Card Weekend. Thanks for listening to another installment of the Wooten Y Show. Check out previous episodes at WootenY.com and on iTunes. And follow each of the boys on Twitter at This Is Woot and at JYNFL. Or you can follow the podcast at Woot and Y.